Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation Podcast, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. This is episode number 14, The Basics of Home Brewing. 14. Yeah. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host. We got... It's Nick. And... Wow. Last name. Okay. Very formal. Okay, whoa. <laughs> well, I realize there's a lot of Nicks out there, so... You want to make sure. Yeah. to identify me oh, okay. as an individual. I'm Lauren. The one and only. There are no other Who Laurens shall not out be there. Named. The Lauren. I'm just the Lauren. The Lauren. Yeah. Phoenix. And my name is very unusual, so no one else will have this name. Joe. I'm Joe. Yeah. And welcome to Secondary Fermentation. <laughs> I think it's Soft Joe. Yeah. Yo. Yes, it's actually... Yo. No, it's just O. <laughs> o. O. Well, Lauren usually comes up with other colorful names for you. Yeah, she does. So. Like, idiot. Joey... <laughs> Joseph. Oh. Joey. <laughs> Joey. That wasn't what I was thinking, but that's a lot nicer. Hey, yo. <laughs> Joey. Hey, yo, forget about it. Welcome to Second Half Fermentation Podcast. We have some forget coffee and water in beer. We don't yes. make coffee, though. Uh, but yeah, so what are you what are you sipping on there, fellas? Celebrate lady. good times. Come on. Is Lauren with her uh, musical intro. You can yeah. say... Uh, I can't mind saying celebrate fresh hops. Ooh, oh, yes. Right. Celebrate fresh hops. Um, and that means we're drinking celebration fresh hop IPA from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Yeah. This seasonal release. <laughs> I'm getting all commercial on it. Um, I'm doing like the hand modeling from Price is Right. Yeah, you can't see it, but it's gorgeous. Well, my hands look like heck. I need to moisturize. It's getting dry out there. But yeah. As you were saying. <laughs> oh, yes. But this can is from our tapped which is an establishment here in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, it is from their beer advent calendar box. We are on day 14 as well. It's episode 14 and day 14. What a coincidence. <laughs> For a second, I, I was like, well, of course it is. But then I realized, no, that is a coincidence. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not recording a podcast every single day. <laughs> every day. We started this podcast oh, on December 1st, and now we are here. Uh, no, but... Yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride so far. Not really that wild, but it's been seasonal uh, themed beers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a, a strong theme for Uinta coming through. There's been yeah. a few in the in the past days, but we've also had uh, Saranac Caramel Porter. We've had Anderson Valley beer. What else have we had? I had the Gizmo Peppermint mm-hmm. Stout. Ooh, how could I forget that? That was oh, good. Yeah, that's um, nice. We've had uh, Neis Nice Schuf. Which is, was a Belgian oh, yeah, that, strong. That was good. That was really good, actually. That was mm-hmm. one of my favorites of the bunch so far. Lauren hated it. I, um... Oh, left hand, the Black Forest cake. I did not one. care mm-hmm. for that one. Yeah, Lauren. You didn't, you didn't like the shoe? No. You're not a fan of anything Belgian in the name. I like Belgian chocolates. What about Belgian waffles? Belgian waffles. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things about the Belgians that I really enjoy. The Belgians? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Belgians. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> just not. It's just not that sad yeah. Okay, that was, that was a good one favorite. though. But uh, I think the only one so far that hasn't really had some relation to this time of year, either in the style of beer or in the mm. the art of the can, is the UFO blueberry yep. ale. Oh yeah, that one was kind of out of nowhere. It was. Yeah. The day that we had Ooh, it, that was really nice. It was from UFOs from <laughs> outer space. It was. Drop from space. Well, UFO, yep. as we all know, stands for you. 
freaking, freaking ought, to ought to drink a Christmas beer. beer. <laughs> uh, it's been a good... So- and we're over halfway through now. I mean... Yep. Day 14. I'm curious as to what the, the rest of the days will bring. It's yeah. a kind of a... It's a mystery every time because the box is big enough for bottles, 16-ounce cans. It has some 12 ounces in there. So you never know what you're going to get when you pull it out. Yeah, even the shoof was a uh, 11.2 ounce, right? Because it's a... 30, 330 milliliter since it's European, but um, check us out on Instagram if you want to see all of our posts thus far. We've been posting daily, including today's beer, East Carolina Beer, or at East Carolina yes, Beer. Yes, at East Carolina Beer at on Instagram. Also, at East Beer on Twitter. But yeah, so it's been a good mix. What do you think about this fresh hop, or celebration, I should say? On the money, fresh hop, right, even out of the can, I didn't pour mine into a glass. So you can shame me all you want. But, what? Um, even just out of the can, I could smell um, the potency, the freshness of the hops. It is malty. Yeah, and you can tell by the color a little bit too. It's a little bit of that darker yeah, it's tone. Like a dark amber, like a, a slightly diluted maple syrup kind of a color. Ooh, I like that. And it is a malt. It's more of a malt for, but it's also to combat the hops. I mean, I feel like the those oh, the yeah. fresh hop makes it. Uh, very a little bit vegetal at times, uh, but still a, a nice West Coasty style IPA, yeah. but with some decent malt to to make it a little bit more of a winter warmer. Yeah, winter warmer IPA. What's the ABV on that bad boy? Well, it clocks in at a uh, rather modest six point eight percent. So could enjoy a couple of those. And it, we talked about this, I think, a few episodes back about. Um, Winter beers, uh, episode eleven or twelve, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we talked about fresh hops a little bit. We actually mentioned celebration by name, if I recall. Yeah, I think we um, did. Nice to enjoy these as soon after the uh, they are canned or bottled mm-hmm. um, for best flavor. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like Sierra Nevada fresh hop or celebrate. I keep calling it fresh hop. Celebration is probably one of the most widely available fresh hopped beers but because of that short shelf life they're usually limited to like the northwest you know or like pacific northwest region where all the hops are grown right i mean definitely you go out there there's a lot more fresh hop ipas and like a lot of the smaller like nano microbreweries get a hold of them and can do it here over on the east coast and the southeast it's not really hop growing country so we, we don't get we a lot of fresh hops. We tobacco and cotton in these parts. Mm-hmm. Less hops. Yeah, we don't have any tobacco Tobacky. beer. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Nicotine and alcohol could go wrong. For logo. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, no. Um, yeah, I really enjoy it. What, what are your thoughts, Joe, on it? Now that you're, I like uh, it. Yeah. It's, uh, I probably would only have one. Yeah. It Just, does leave a little bit of a... A lasting bitterness that mm-hmm. is cut by the malt, but um, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's a battle between bitter and malty sweetness, mm-hmm. but the bitterness is definitely lingering, especially on that like retro nasal olfaction. Take a nice deep breath in after your sip, and you get like a little bite of bitterness on your tongue. Are you you breathing in, inhaling? Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we had celebration when we were in Nashville. Uh, about a month ago. Yes, we did. At the the pins. 
Uh, we most certainly did. That Pins place was really cool. Yeah, yeah it was an arcade it was and on, on draft, like I mean, duck bowling yeah. place. Duck bowling. <gasps> oh, I like arcades. Is it called duck bowling or is it duck pin or duck, duck pin bowling? I think yeah, something like that. Yeah, where it's like on strings. Where you play with ducks. Yeah, you throw <laughs> you throw <laughs> ducks. Wild <laughs> animals. <laughs> no ducks are actually harmed in the bowling of duck pin. Bowling. It wasn't a Greek restaurant. They didn't have any pitas. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, um, I read this fun fact. That I have not fact checked yet, but I read it in a book, so of course okay. it's true. Fake news. Um, fact check that. Know, you see, you get three strikes in a row in bowling. They call it a turkey. Yeah. Do you know why they call it that? No. So, according to my source, which is very reliable, it's a mm. trivia book that I got from my mom. Um, oh, I thought it was be like some guy in an alleyway. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, my mom was in the alley when she <laughs> <laughs> gave you a um, trench coat. She got it from a guy in the alley, then mailed it to me. Mm. So the 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 term uh, turkey for three strikes in bowling, uh, it was actually a promotional effort by some of the early bowling alleys when they when the owners were trying to ramp up business around the holidays between like Christmas and Thanksgiving. They so would give away a turkey. They would give away a turkey if you could bowl three strikes in a row. Dang! And so then after the fact, obviously they. Bowling alleys cannot afford to do because <laughs> it's not that difficult to get a turkey. Maybe at the time when bowling was a novelty and it was first just coming up, and we bowling alleys were rocks. not as busy or as popular, yeah. it was just a way to try to get people in around the holidays and say, hey, "Come do this, and we'll give you a, a free turkey for your Thanksgiving dinner or whatever." And um, the thing that stuff, yeah, a turkey doesn't really entice me, but if it was a ham. <laughs> <laughs> We know you like ham. Well, actually, the, the listeners that's, that's what five strikes in <laughs> Yeah. What? For all the oh, listeners, Lauren loves ham. She's a... Uh... I love pink ham. I love white ham. White oh. ham? <laughs> Don't discriminate. Yeah, it's just pork. <laughs> what? White ham. White ham? Yeah. Are you talking like a pork tenderloin yeah. that's been cooked? Yeah. Do you really call it white ham? Does anybody no, call I'm it just white ham? Oh, God. It, it's all pork. But I thought ham was a specific cut. I mean, it's just pink. Ham. Like, would you call a what do you call a what do you call a cheeseburger meat or versus a steak? Ground beef versus a steak. Unground beef. <laughs> yeah. Ground beef versus chunk beef. <laughs> Apparently, white ham is such that comes from a white coat pig versus a librarian pig. So a librarian pig. Librarian. <laughs> <laughs> you know the Dewey Decimal System. Oh gosh. These are going to be due back on the 15th. Yeah. I just really enjoy pigs. I would eat all of the pigs. <laughs> wow. A random aside about bowling before I forget is I've really been enjoying these TikToks that are like people making like these 3D animations of like fake bowling screen. Oh, yeah. Bowling alley screen things. You know, like you get a strike or something or it's always like telling you like how to clean up your spare or something when it's got some weird animation. Like, people have just taken it upon themselves to create, like, crazy, ridiculous ones that usually involve, like, the pins being murdered somehow. Yeah, very uh, violent. But they're, they're pretty funny. It's Yeah, they're pretty dark, but pretty it's, funny. like, a, a funny twist on something that's completely random. I've enjoyed that humor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Would um, you say it's it's uh, time to crack a beer, do you think? Oh, no. I would love to. No one asked you, Lauren. <laughs> I believe you directed that wow. to me. You... Are on a beer podcast. You don't want to crack a beer. You know what my favorite ham is? John Ham. <laughs> oh yeah. With that. Boy. 
Who's John Ham? Who's John Ham? Who's John Ham? One of the most gorgeous men in the world. Ooh. Hold on, I have to Google him. I have no idea who you guys are talking about. Nick just cracked open an Edmonds Oast yeah. can, and I'm excited. Wait, turn this towards me. Oh, I mean, I think he's oh, funny. Oh yeah, I just had Edmonds Oast something or other the other day. I don't think he's the most gorgeous man. I say he's one of the most gorgeous. Oh, men. okay. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. I knew you were gonna say that. I was just mm. waiting. Well, Love that is Ryan. also correct. Um, yeah. He's but about the beer. And he's such a good personality, because I know him personally. Um, wouldn't it be funny if he turned out to be like the absolute biggest jerk? I mean, it wouldn't be funny because he's such a... It'd be heartbreaking, actually. It would, it be, would, be, it would be very heartbreaking. Would be but so like, sad. We were watching... A, what movie did we watch the other day? We watched um, that Office, movie Office Party. Office Party thing. It was from oh. like, an, maybe I think it was like 2016 or something like that. Yeah. But TJ Miller was in it and I was TJ like looking Miller. him up and apparently he's a jerk. <laughs> oh yeah. And he got in some trouble, I think. Yeah. For, he got in trouble with several times apparently. Yeah, like soliciting. There's that. Contact with underage women and stuff, and then, right? Or something. No, it was something like, it, there was one thing that I read. It was like something in college he did getting violent. Um, and then there was one thing apparently he called in a bomb threat on oh, a, gosh. on a, Amtrak train or something. <laughs> That's a little more serious. Yeah. Only not that other allegations are not serious. Wow, Nick. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like, not like, like a federal crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, apparently, I don't know. This is all from Wik- very this is off of Wikipedia, so who knows if it's true or yeah. not. But On that note. Yeah, so what do you so, got there? So as Joe mentioned, it's uh, Edmund's Oast, but this is the chocolate caramels, or caramels if you prefer. Uh, it's a brown ale. Should expect some chocolate, some caramel. Um, Rolo, the Rolo's candy is actually depicted Ooh. on the can. And Lars from Jarvis Street, shout out Lars for this recommendation a while back. I'm just now getting to it. Lars, but he told me it, it is very much on par with a Rolo's. Not just, really? not just um, you know gimmicky beers where they're supposed to imitate something. Mm-hmm. This is apparently supposed to be very on par. So I'm excited. You to know, try this. Rolo's underrated candy. I so I love Rolos. I gotta say, but I haven't had one in years. I think I have them around Christmas time mostly because they they get the red and green wrappers on them mm. and they sell them. Yeah, and I sometimes make belly buttons with them. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> with the pretzel <laughs> instead of the hug, and then you push the M M&M and M on last, and so sometimes I'll swap out the. Rollos. You call that a belly button? Yeah, because oh. it looks like a belly button when you did. Okay, so I've I mean, had those, does, but, but never called them belly button. So <laughs> just you like you it? never called a pork tenderloin oh, no. white ham. <laughs> <laughs> what? We got white ham and belly buttons. Yeah, yeah. Laura uh, knows her ham, but she doesn't know John Ham. Mm-hmm. I do now. Belly the other ones with the Hershey Kisses. Well, it's the hugs because it's the white and dark chocolate. Oh yeah, but you know the ones with the Hershey Kisses. Those do kind of remind me of like you know when a baby's born and it still has like the umbilical cord thing attached. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's like <laughs> that kind of that, belly button, <laughs> that hard thing. Yeah, that's the belly button that I imagine that you until it falls off. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. She knows. I do. But it's just... a lot less appetizing than yeah, it is. It's very than a Hershey kiss on a cookie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> some might say it's not at all appetizing. <laughs> yeah, like the oh, some, <laughs> just some. <laughs> not me. Oh gosh. <laughs> All right, who's actually tried this beer? I've been. It's an interesting it. color. I know. It's it's like it does look like. It's a little bit lighter for a brown liquid ale. caramel. You know what? To me, it actually looks more like like a Pond caramel water? syrup. Oh. 
Yeah. Like if you bought a bottle of like caramel syrup for your uh, ice cream or your coffee, if you fancy the flavor, it looks like that color. Or like a butterscotch candy, maybe. So it actually looks like sweet tea. Um, a very hazy sweet tea. I mean, just depends on how much sugar you put in. <laughs> uh, yeah, very sweet smelling. Kind of sugary almost. Um, mm-hmm. Does this have lactose in it? So I'm gonna it it's got the toast. It's got some toast. Mm-hmm. It's got a dose of the all toast. All you toast fans out there, this one's for you. Give me the toast. I need the toast. Toasted. For all you lactose intolerant people. Why you gotta be so intolerant? <laughs> uh, but also, pop a lactate before you eat some of that. Drink it. Whatever you do to beer. Unless you're like in uh, Beer Fest where they're like, so good I want to freeze it and ice skate on it. <laughs> I think that's the only part that we can say on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it is uh, not PG. It was the greatest beer in all the world. I think we can say that too. Yeah. What is it, Grandpapa? That's a good one. Oh, sorry for anybody in Germany that's listening to my horrible German accent. Yeah. I mean, they did it first. I, I mean, guess, yeah, uh, that, I'm, it's it's not characters. an actual German accent. It's it's a adaptation from a movie with a terrible German accent. Okay, I don't taste Rollo. I taste it in the faintest scent sense of it. I mean, I feel like it's a little more watered down than I was expecting. Oh no! Did you guys see the ABV? Be honest. What is it? No, I no, didn't. I okay. cannot we'll, see we'll that get part. To, we'll get to there. I just didn't know if you'd seen it. If we saw, no, I, I, didn't I see do it. not have my glasses on. Um, yeah, it is a... Uh, got that laser vision. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not getting the strongest punch of chocolate. Mm-hmm. I do get a pretty fair amount of caramel flavor, yeah. though. It smells really sweet. The mouthfeel is not super, like, creamy, but it is uh, light to medium-bodied, maybe. And I, I think something with lactose typically has... A nice smooth velvety kind of mouthfeel. Not always the case, but uh, in this, this case, is quite creamy. Yeah, it's a uh, gentle, yeah. smooth. Not very much carbonation. Mm-mm. Not very crisp or bright. Which I think this is a great. I mean, this could be a great winter beer. Honestly, I, dr- I drink this one ever. But based yeah, on, I think the lightness. The it's lighter than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in mouthfeel, in body. And a little bit in flavor. You know, you see a, a dripping caramel Rolo on the front of the can and you think like, oh, this is going to be sweet and like a yeah. super desserty thing. But it's actually not. It's a lot more crushable than I yeah. would have expected. Uh, I guess we can guess this ABV. What do, what do we, let's, what do you, what's your guess on ABV, Lorenzo? 4.8. 4.8? Ooh, I'm going to say <clears throat> 5.1. Higher to both. Oh, geez. Obviously. <laughs> Six point two. Hmm. I'm gonna go five eight. Darn, Lower. You're on perfect. <laughs> oh, I am. All right. It always, hey, I always hey, hey, hit hey. two guesses. He's not perfect. No. I am perfect. No, I gotta maintain my streak of two guesses for the ABV. <laughs> on the money. Yeah, I think five point eight um, actually is higher than I would have guessed. And you both guessed low, and mm-hmm. I'm not surprised because yeah, in the body of it, the the flavors or the flavors are a little mild, I guess. Um, it's still it's not that it's not flavorful. It's just less than you thought. Which I guess if you're you know you're thinking about the spectrum of beers and and beers that call themselves you know like after candy and things like that. Yeah. But this is a brown ale attempt, not a big imperial stout. You know, so I guess it is it's a game of balance, and you don't want to. 
overdo it, especially for a brown ale, yeah. I feel like. Maybe a porter would have been a little more intense. Stout definitely, I feel like, would have been a little bit, but... And chocolate can really steal the show when you when you add that to a porter mm-hmm. or a brown ale or a stout. I think so, where that flavor really shines for me is, again, on like that retro nasal. Mm-hmm. Like, you finish the sip, and you get that kind of aftertaste of uh, chocolatey caramel yeah. goodness. I, I, I think the, the finish is my favorite part, mm-hmm. um, which is something uh, part of the beer judge certification program is the right the finish oh, yeah. of the beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. how it finishes. Um, the mouthfeel, not my. I'm not the biggest fan. I would like it to be a little heavier. Yeah, Lauren, um, you have a look of disapproval on your face. Tell us your feelings. It's just not my favorite. That's fair, and, and which is I really enjoy. I don't think I've had anything from Edmonds Oast that I have not, like, really enjoyed. Edmonds Oast in South Carolina. I don't think we mentioned that. Yeah, yeah we've been there. We have been there. Charleston. Charleston. Mm-hmm. I like how we said that in unison. Charleston and Charles. I really Charleston. liked, I liked Charleston. Yeah. Um, but this is probably something that I'm not going to try again. Yeah, I really, I mean, we just had this weekend... Sour pineapple cherry or something that like that. That was tasty. That was good. That was very tasty. That was good, too. There's another one in the fridge. Um, Ooh, not yeah. that. I don't remember what kind it is. Yeah, there's another one. And I always love cereal for dinner. I think that's, that's a cereal for dinner. That's yeah, that, so that was a good one. That was one of our early reviews, I it think. It was, yeah. EastCarolinaBeer.com. Check it out. I So, here's another thing. Not I also love cereal for dinner, but Joe <laughs> does not. Cereal for... Any time of day, honestly. Right? I mean, I usually like a hot meal for dinner. I, that's a, that's one thing. I think I'm it's like just that. not just have hot cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Heat up your milk Which and pour it over your cereal. Is porridge meal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's that too. Um, yeah, but you know, it's they can't all be winners. I think Ed, Edmonds O's as a whole, like you said, it's just they really have had a lot of fantastic beers. I've been there, had a lot of cans because they distribute up here all the time and they have a lot of um what am i like i don't want to say turnover with beer but like they're constantly churning out new brews oh yeah um a lot of new sours they have a, a you know really good series of doing um kind of a, a mashup fruit sour um they have so a good yeah. ipa hazy they have a good neva yeah. um bound by time yes that one's good that's quite Iconic. a good one yeah that one's good uh but yeah i mean overall Solid brewery. Definitely got to go back there again. Yeah. I, I, I think this is something I, I would drink again. So you guys want to talk about homebrewing? I would love to. You would love to? You'd love to talk about homebrewing? Yeah, How about you, it. Lauren? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you feel I mean, it? we are home. We like to brew. We so do. Let's... We do dabble in homebrewing. We're let no us... means, I mean, let us... experts in oh, it. Oh, I am brewed. a self-proclaimed expert. You are? No. <laughs> we have moved into all-grain brewing and do keg beer, so... Moving stand. up, I mean, moving up yeah. levels. Okay, Keg stand, yeah. right? <laughs> nice. So that gives us the authority the to tell other people that their beers not as good. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think, but we joking. can talk about the basics of brewing. And, insight, yeah. And home brewing, it's something. It's something interesting because you're like, oh yeah, I may, I'm making this beer, and people are always like, ooh, eh? ooh it's eh? like you're doing alchemy. <laughs> yeah, it's like everyone becomes Tim Allen, and then what? I don't think anyone. No one one actually uses that voice. Their inner monologue does. But they're always like, oh, really? And they think it's a very complex process 
Which, biochemically, I guess it is. Uh, but from a human intervention standpoint, not as hard. It's basically as hard as keeping things clean and keeping things sterile. So, I mean, really what, there's there's like three main phases of, of brewing. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing John Palmer, who is like the the guru of home brewing. He has a lot of good books, How to Brew being one of them. Uh, but there's pretty much like three stages of brewing. So like one is the actual brewing process, uh, which is like the brew day. Two is the fermentation period, which is just as important, if not more important than the brew day. And then you have the final phase, which is going to be your packaging phase. Are you bottling it? Are you putting it into a keg? How are you carbonating it? All that stuff. So we'll kind of break it down into those sections and talk about the things you need and what you should do. So I guess the first thing, what are the ingredients for beer, Nick? Or Lauren? Feel free to introduce. Collaborate here. Lauren, you Collab. go. Name one. Water. Correct. I bet you didn't know that. Water. Did you know that? Hops. Ooh, Did you yeah. know that? Grain. <sighs> grain? What kind of grain? Alcohol. Are you going to... Alcohol. Okay. <laughs> Nick, can you want to help her out? Need barley rye. Okay, but can you just Your stick... Malt. Wheat? Like, if you have, like, wheat, can you just throw that in beer? What do you, what do you have to do to those grains? You have to mill it. No. Well, you'd have to mill it, mill it, but what do you have to do before that? You have to crush it. Beyond that, you can't just take a seed. You have to do a special process to it. Grow it. Okay, Nick. You've got to harvest it. <laughs> You've got to malt it. You well, got to have malt. malt. Oh, I didn't hear you yeah. say malt. Well, I'm sorry. Earlier when she was talking about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, malted barley. Basically, because yeah. you're... you're whole point is to take the sugars out of seeds or the, you know the grains themselves so what the the maltsters will do is they'll take it get it wet let it germinate a little bit and that'll release some enzymes within that grain that will break down some of those complex carbohydrates and make them a little bit more simple so that way you can extract those sugars for brewing so you got to have malt i wasn't expecting that thing so we got malt we got water we got what Hops, and, and what's, then... What's the most important part? Love. <laughs> you got it. No. You equipment. Need, you need some yeast. Yeast. Um, we also need equipment. You so. need, yes, but you can't forget the yeast. I don't. I make sure that the yeast stays temperature controlled in our refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah, yeast is a very interesting... Uh, but yeast is, yeah. Uh, Not only part make of it, it... It's... Well, in, in... I guess in our... Homebrew experience. We've done uh, we've done a yeast starter, which was mm-hmm. its own experience. Um, cultivating and, and I guess keeping yeast alive is its own its own process. Yeah. And then you can also just you know not say the easy way out, but you can just you know buy ready to go yeast where you just dump a packet. Yeah, and it comes in all sorts of things. Yeah. Dry packets, liquid packets. But you're For talking, sake. yeah. Most of the time, we're talking about Saccharomyces, Saccharomyces, yes. which is a little bit different from some other things, like some sours you may see Brettanomyces or Lactobacillus is another another thing that you could uh, that ferments things. But <laughs> for most beers, we're talking about Saccharomyces strains. But yeah, so you need those ingredients at least. You need water, so access to good water. Uh, foundation to a good beer is good water. Mm-hmm. You need hops, 
you need yeast, and you need that malt. Yeah. But, and with some yeah. of the big breweries, actually, I think most breweries now put a lot of stock in water, as you mentioned, because mm -hmm. for one, especially if you're re-brewing the same batch or recipe over and over again, for consistency's sake, the water consistency is huge because you have water that is, you know, chemically different and it changes the entire profile. Yeah, of the beer and it's mm -hmm. um, some breweries. I mean, we I think we talked about this a while back. Um, they they set their brick and mortar and they they moved to locations based on proximity to a certain to certain water access and the quality of a certain water because yeah. they, they do testing of the water to find. Um, yeah, and if know. not, they'll completely like reverse osmosis, get the most purest form of the water, and then they will treat it with various salts and elements to make it more, one, it contributes to the mouthfeel flavor, but it also contributes to yeast growth and nutrients. So, But if you're home brewing at home, good old tap yeah. can help. So you say, hey, I can acquire some water some malt of some variety and when you're talking about home brewing there's there's two ways so if you're just starting out you're probably looking at extract brewing which is somebody has already extracted the sugars from the malt and you're either getting a dry malt extract powder or you're getting a uh, liquid malt extract which is like a thick syrup but that's going to be your base and your sugars for the yeast to eat to convert to alcohol and will be the base yeah. for your flavors. Um, so you say, I can acquire that. I can acquire some hops and I can acquire water. What equipment are you going to need for that brew day? A big pot. <laughs> I was going to say, I know your early days with your uh, your first mm -hmm. um, homebrew setup is just big old stock pot on the stove. Of course, yep. sanitize, as we mentioned. Sanitation is key. Everything needs to be clean from start to finish. But uh, yeah, getting a big stock pot for your... For your wart, and you're gonna need uh, some kind of contraption. Yeah, heat source. You're gonna need. Um, I'm talking about basics. You don't need necessarily fancy ways to chill your wart, but um, ice. Yeah, a source <laughs> to cool the wart faster. Um, you're gonna need uh, a funnel for transferring, ideally mm -hmm. clean transfer to your Unless fermenter. You're skilled at pouring. Um, and uh, I guess uh, if a you look at our logo for our. Our podcast, the uh, the old uh, carboy is the kind of you know, staple fermentation yeah, vessel. It's perfect for it. I mean, it's a nice, especially if you're just doing uh, was it is it five gallon? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and a lot of homebrew kits are going to be five gallons. I mean, if you buy kits, so there's a bunch of websites out there. Northern Brewer, Great Fermentations. You know, your local homebrew shop. Which where we are, there's not a local homebrew shop other than like an hour and some odd away. So do a lot of online ordering but usually you're going to start out extract brewing so that that means you're going to have to have those basic things thermometer stock pot fermentation vessel be it a bucket or a glass carboy you're going to need some sort of spoon to do some stirring you're going to need uh, some ice or ice packs to chill the wort and then you're going to need basically ways to transfer it later uh but, oh, and you need some, some sort of sanitizing solution to oh, clean yeah. everything on that. Typical brew day. So what is the actual process of brewing your beer? So if you're doing extract brewing, you just want to heat it up. 
basically. But keep stirring. <laughs> That's when you add it keep in. Keep stirring. That's, That's all you know when I would say keep stirring. Keep and stirring. It. But no, you're going to, depending on what your recipe says, you're going to heat the water up. And then when it hits some certain point in temperature, you're going to add in your malt extract. You can skip a few steps when you're doing extract brewing because you don't actually have to ex- uh, extract the sugars from the right. from the grains. You know, uh, equivalent. I guess thinking about like steeping tea is pretty much the all grain <laughs> method, but yeah. a little more complex than that. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing extract brewing, you're just basically heating it up, putting in the malt extract, stirring it, getting it nice and dissolved, and then you're bringing it to a boil. And you're basically making your wort by just adding water. Now, the boil is important for a couple of reasons. Uh, Lauren, do you, can you expand on that or no? It's very important. No. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the boil basically is going to do a couple things. One, it's going to sanitize your work, get rid of any microbes that are there. Two, it's going to isomerize the alpha acids in your hops, and that's going to create the bitterness profile of your beer. Uh, and depending on the time that you add the beer in, the, or the hops in to that boil, will determine that. So usually your recipe is gonna, you know, normally thinking about a sixty-minute boil. So and then your recipe is gonna call for hop additions at certain times. But so yeah, you'll bring it to a boil, and then depending on what kind of beer you're making, you'll add in hops at some point and in various quantities. And it's usually at time increments as it, as as in how far left in the boil do you have. Mm-hmm. So, as a rule of thumb, anything added early in the boil, so if you add something in immediately once it starts boiling, that's going to be for bittering. But if you add something at the very end of the boil, or like the last 10 minutes or 15 minutes, that's likely going to be for flavor and aroma. So, say you're making like a very, you know, hoppy, aromatic, hazy New England IPA, you're probably going to add in hops at the very end of the boil, or even when the boil's finished. So, you get those hop, hop aromas. But any beer that you're going to make is usually going to have some sort of bittering hop addition early in the brew. Uh, so you boil it. What's the next step, Lauren? You're familiar with this one. I'm still stirring. Sorry. She's stirring. <laughs> her mind, she's stirring. having flashbacks to numb. Yeah. She's stirring. I think after we, you know, heat it up, now I've got to cool it down. You have to chill the wort. Right. Why do we have to chill the wort as fast as possible? Because you said so. <laughs> <laughs> you can get the idea of what a uh, brew day is like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yeah, no. But basically, you want to cool the wort. You want to do it quickly because you don't want to stand there for three hours waiting for it to cool from boiling. Uh, but you also want to... Oh, we have to get the temperature down before we can pitch the yeast. Yeah, that's one thing. Uh, we'll it. The faster you do that, you can actually coagulate some proteins and uh, drop them out of solution with a quick chill uh, that will make a, lead to a clearer beer. This can be hard, though, because if you're talking about... If your recipe with an extract brew is like three gallons of boiling water, I mean, that's a large... Yeah thermodynamic mass right there you know large thermal mass so you gotta cool that shiz down so usually i mean we used to fill up the sink with water in an ice bath and just keep recycling water and throwing more ice in trying to cool it as much but there's other equipment you can buy that's optional like wort chillers and various things you know i mean it's a game changer yeah it really makes it a heck of a lot faster you're basically running cold water against it and 
Yeah. Much nicer, but... Those coils, they just chill incrementally. I mean, not incrementally, I mean dramatically faster than yeah. you can do just by submer- submerging the... Especially if you're vessel. somewhere that has cold groundwater. <laughs> Here in North Carolina, our, our groundwater is not cold at all, especially in the summer. It's like 70 degrees, so we have a really hard time getting those last like 30 degrees down, but it takes forever in that end period. Uh, but I wonder if now it'd be any... Better. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. I think so. But yeah, so you cool it down, and you're cooling it down for one, to create the hot break for the proteins to make a clear beer, but you're also cooling it down so that way you can pitch the yeast. Why do you not want to pitch the yeast when it's too hot? Because I don't want to kill it. Yeah, you don't want to kill it's the alive. yeast. It's alive! It's alive! And you need it to be alive, and you need it to flourish, and you need it to reproduce. And you need it to be yeasty. Yeasty. Yeah, do it, doing yeasty things, what yeast does. Yeah. You know how yeast yeast be mm-hmm. so when you be when you be pitching yeast you're basically stepping into that fermentation product uh fermentation process before that though you want to make sure so anything after the boil you want to make sure is sanitized because oh, this yeah. is your chance to introduce bad microbes that can lead to off flavors and frankly disgusting beer if, if they're not controlled. So everything at this yeah. point has to be sanitized. So your fermentation vessel, any spoons that you're stirring, any funnels that you're using for transfer. The stop lock. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the air lock. <laughs> oh, and I also forgot to mention you want to aerate your wort. So your wort oh, comes yeah. out, and before you put the yeast in, you want to essentially shake the heck out of it. To introduce air because, and this is the only yeah. time you want to introduce air. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, because the yeast need oxygen to do their thing. Otherwise, air is bad for beer. Yes. Bad. All right, so what's next, Nick? I've been talking a lot. So, yeah, so you're, we've got everything sanitized. We're ready to transfer into the fermenter we talked about, um, keeping everything clean. So, um, get yourself a funnel if you're using a carboy. Transfer that wort into the fermenter. Obviously, do the uh, introduction of oxygen to get ready for the yeast. Pitch your yeast. And you're going to want to plug that baby up. Um, now, this is where it gets important. Fermentation, as Joe mentioned, is also very, very important. Not only doing your wort, but um, you want to have the conditions right for your fermentation. It's got to be um, a mostly cool, ideally dark space. is great for um, keeping light out. Um, you also make sure, I mean, I guess I... Should go back. You want to make sure that when you seal with it with the airlock for your uh, fermenter that it's a tight seal because you don't want any oxygen to get into the beer after you've started mm-hmm. to ferment. Um, keep it in a cool space. A closet works well. Your garage, if it's not too hot during the year um, or too cold. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Too low is also bad. There's a yeah. happy medium. Yeah. Depending on what like your 50, it's, 60 degrees or so. Yeah. Or, it's depending on your yeast. So I mean, if you have a I don't know, if you're looking at general ale yeast, I mean, anywhere from 65 to 70 degrees, constant temperature, any excursions above or below will can stress the yeast out and they can make, you know, some yeah. off flavors. So just like, you know, you and I, if, if we're real stressed out, we're not doing our, our best work and we might be off a little bit. So I mean, think about this, uh, the weather today. I mean, it's like 40 in the morning, then it gets like 60, back down to like 50. So it's like, I'm stressed out, man. Like. What coat do I wear? A jacket? <laughs> Heavy coat? The no yeast coat? are like, we're just floating in suspension. We don't have coats. <laughs> we're not sentient. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the fermentation process, which 
depending on what you're brewing, can last, you know, the initial fermentation could be, you know, a couple weeks, it could be longer. But yeah, maintaining consistency in the conditions of that beer um, while it's, while the yeast is doing its work. And mm-hmm. fermentation is all important because that's what creates the alcohol. Yeah. And yeast has its own flavors it's impart, it imparts. Right. Yeah. You could get a, a little bit of yeasty flavor in your IPAs or your wheat beers. Like you mentioned with the sours, the Britannomaces, um, that it has a bit of like a funky kind of tart flavor to it so letting it do its job letting the yeast thrive let the yeast do the work yeah Um, yeah so basically i mean anywhere yeah two to four weeks mm -hmm. like you said for that primary fermentation Uh, if you want to be old school you can do a secondary fermentation hey trademark yeah trademark (laughs) not really (laughs) (laughs) yes i mean just kidding don't steal our stuff um but yeah so Really, secondary fermentation is when you take it out of the primary fermentation vessel, pull it off of that yeast sediment at the bottom. You know, it was thought to have some changes in flavor profile. And when you have dead yeast cells at the bottom, that could introduce some stuff. Uh, But not fully necessary at this point. Uh, So you have that primary fermentation period. What's next? Then we take it out and leave it on the counter for about 24 hours. So we let all the sediment okay. settle to the I bottom. Okay, I like that. Yes, anytime you have to move your <laughs> fermentation vessel, you want to let it settle out because you don't want to... Any yeast particles that have, uh, you know, resuspended or reintroduced uh, through moving it, you want to let it settle out. So, okay, so what's the point? What are we preparing to do? We are preparing to change it from the carboy into the vessel aka the keg okay so somebody doesn't have kegs what are they gonna do well then you gotta put them in a bottle yeah that is such a time intensive it's really not that hard tedious it's so you need much people. easier to put it in a keg though it is much easier to put in a keg because with bottling you're looking at for a five gallon batch of bottles cool tools that um like well, I guess we do what? one of those things that you push the it, it. The way it works is what it sits down in the bottom. Yeah, you're talking about a bottle filler. It's just yeah, yeah we do have we, one of those. We do have one. I realized after I started talking. It about basically it, just has one. a valve that you push against the bottom of the bottle, and it fills from the bottom first. But really, so what we're doing is transferring the beer to our final vessel. Uh, likely, if you're just starting out, it's going to be bottles, and you can procure these bottles. You can buy bottles online, which is kind of expensive, but. The best way, I think, to get bottles is just to drink beer and then clean them out. Make sure you rinse them early so there's not a bunch of gunk in there. Clean them out and then make sure you sanitize them. Again, we're going to have to use our sanitizer solution. Popular one, Star Sand, which is like an acid-based or acid-based food-grade sanitizer. Uh, and then you want to sanitize the bottles. You're going to need caps for this point. So you want to make sure that you can yes. cap the beer and you'll need a bottle capper. Yes, that's a fun process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think crimping the caps is probably the least glamorous part of that. Whole thing. <laughs> yeah, You're just yeah. caps on there, but uh, yeah, I think the first homebrew that you ever did. Uh, my advice: get some friends together. Require that everybody bring a six pack of bottled beer. Mm-hmm. Have fun, play some games, whatever. Leave the bottles there. You've got yeah enough for. That's uh, pretty much how I acquired the bottles. It's easy. Still got a bunch upstairs. And we've learned that the best way to get the labels off the bottles is through using OxyClean. Yeah, throw some OxyClean in the sink. 
R.I.P. with the bottles, and then they just take the labels off. Uh, yeah, so if you want to do that, you don't have to take the labels off. But so when you're bottling, you have to do something else because so say you take the beer, you've got your airlock, the yeast are producing CO2 the whole time, but the airlock is releasing that so your fermenter doesn't explode. So you no longer have carbonated beer. <laughs> so you have to make sure your beer is carbonated. So you have to transfer it into a fermentation bucket and you have to add in a priming sugar, which is basically giving more sugar for the yeast so that way they can do a bottle conditioning or a bottle mini fermentation in that bottle to carbonate the beer. Did we add that to the bottle first? No, what we did was... It's been so long since we've done... we've. Yeah. Beer. So usually you're going to use a bottling bucket, which is a bucket that has a little spout on the side. You'll pour your fermented beer in there using some sort of siphon and try not to get the, the trube, which is the, the stuff at the bottom, like the dead yeast cells and all the other sediment that's come out. Uh, you'll want to transfer that, introducing as little oxygen as possible. So making sure you're not splashing things, glugging them around. Mm. Uh, but usually in that bottling bucket you'll add some sort of priming solution which will be usually basically just plain sugar uh, white sugar and mixed with boiled water so it's sanitary you put it in there and then that's enough for the yeast and then if you add it all into the main batch you don't have to do it bottle per bottle there are some products out of the out there that are like little glucose tablets that you just throw in the bottle hmm. and that's the pre-measured amount but you don't need to get that fancy with it you can just check out a priming sugar yeah. recipe and if we're doing just basics yeah yeah just basics you just grab some, some salt sugar man that's uh, or salt gosh yeah. sugar <laughs> sugar and do that so yeah you transfer it in the bottle but then you're not done waiting because there's that little bit of fermentation that goes on there you have to wait a little bit longer and usually when talking bottle conditioning we're looking at probably another two weeks because one, you want to let it ferment, but also you want those flavors to to mellow out. I have found over time that time is your friend with home brewing. Uh, unless you're doing like a super aromatic beer or like a super like juicy hop aroma beer, like the more time you give it for the flavors to mellow out and for the beer to be a little less green, you're probably going to be better off in the flavor department. Yeah. But yeah, in a nutshell, that's homebrewing in a very large nutshell. Yeah. That's a big nut. And that's just the bare minimum basics if you're going to do it. Not to deter anybody from trying because it's a really fun experience. But It sounds more complicated. The, basically, the hardest part is waiting for all of this to get done. Oh, yeah. And then cleaning up messes as oh, you make them. I hate cleaning up. If you can clean, you can brew. That isn't right. And it's a rewarding process to say, hey, try this beer. I mean, I made it. I'll make this. I made it. I, 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 I Unless it tastes this. really bad. Yeah, and then you'd be like, like Ugh, I, didn't, I didn't make this. I didn't, I didn't make, make this. this. <laughs> I didn't make this. And a little bit of advice you're bound to make mistakes, and you're going to make beers that you don't think are amazing. I mean, be patient. Yeah. Enjoy the process. Yeah. I also think a certain beer blog website has a, has a quick video on the brewing. Brew day process. Oh, where would I find that? Yeah, you'd find it at eastcarolinabeer.com. Dot com. Yeah, if you'd rather, you know, if you're kind of a hands-on or a, a, a multimedia type person for learning, go ahead and check out uh, the video. That was a really, I think that was really early on and that was a great informational like five, six minute video mm -hmm. detailing the process. So that's a supplement to 
Yeah, I mean, our discussion is is no means a definitive guide, but it's just a primer of things to expect when you're starting to homebrew. Yeah, and you learn, I mean, as with anything, the first time you do it, you're going to have bumps in the road. You'll learn what maybe (laughs) you want to draw from your own, uh, you know, from the the things you've read and you've been taught or have taught yourself. um, What works for you, what doesn't, what you would improve next time. you know. Yeah, and I just think the first time that I homebrewed, I was so worried because I finished boiling the wort. I had it, was chilling it, trying to chill it as fast as possible, and I accidentally knocked the Dawn dish soap into the into the freshly boiled wort, and I was so freaked out that it was going to ruin the whole process. Like the bottle yeah. of That's... Dawn, it fell in, and I quickly whipped it out, and somehow... <clears throat> through the cleaning power of Dawn, it did not contaminate and completely ruin that yeah, beer. If it's good Wait, for the, uh, the actual Dawn product got in it, or no, just the, the bottle? No, the, the bottle. Like oh, the, that's fine. You know about that nasty bottle that you're grabbing? And I'd be more concerned if the Dawn got up in there. I'd probably be less concerned because <laughs> that bottle you grab with dirty hands as you're doing dishes. Do you dishes see what that Dawn some... does to the grease on little ducks? What does it do to yeast? Spills. It does the grease, but it don't do the yeast. Oh, it probably kills that yeast. <laughs> Good thing that you boil your wort. It helps with the... Uh, warp, 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 mm-hmm. warp, some warp. Of that impurities out of there, Everybody so. warp, 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 warp. All right. <laughs> well, after that dissertation, it looks like Lauren is preparing Elsie's Pick of the Week. Elsie's Pick of the Week. All right. Go Brought ahead. Brought to you by... Lauren. Lauren. B- brought to you by Wegmans. Wag, oh, the Wag, not Jarvis Street Bottle Shop? No, Wegmans. I procure my beer from Jarvis Street Bottle Shop. This episode has been brought to you by our own independent purchases at Jarvis Street Bottle Shop, Tapped, and Wegmans. Be very careful with that. Oh, the full? Yes. Why are you pouring us very full samples? Yeah. Oh, touch my nose. (laughs) Is mine very full too? Yes, it is. Ooh, it's very floofy. I just stuck my nose in it. I'm getting uh, some hops. All right. I feel like dank hops. It actually reminds me of homebrewing, very specific memories of like, it's very, the fun thing about homebrewing is like you get the, the hops out of the package and you like just give them a good sniff on their own. That's oh, what yeah. this is bringing back to me, a little bit of dankness. So coming back to me now. Are you getting any, like, citrus vibes, Nick? Grapefruit? Or is it all in my brain? Um, it is a bit acidic in, um, that fruit flavor, so, yeah, I'm leaning towards, like, a, uh, a grapefruit or a, uh, a lemon citrus. Kind of zesty. I could smell this all day. Well, I'm gonna go for a taste all day. Like, it reminds me of some, like... Citra hops smushed up in my hands. But maybe my nose is still not back to normal. Oh, no. Um, that kind of like lemon zest really comes into play on this drink I just had. Um, it actually tastes kind of how I was expecting. Uh, IPA, I'm going to say. I wouldn't be surprised if there's citra hops in this. Yes, that's, a, that's what I'm like thinking. Like there's a... Or like maybe some like centennial. Yeah. 
Also, smells definitely like some bittering hops too. But um, it's funny that we talked about homebrewing because this smells like very specific homebrewing memories to me. Memories. All it just smells like hop, like nice fresh hop pellets. Oh, it does smell really fresh. It does. If I didn't know any better, I think this was a uh... <laughs> fresh hop. Yeah. Or, can't, I can't call it fresh hop again. Celebration. All right, Very going. pleasant. Yeah, it's it's not like a. It's not bitter, like overly bitter. Yeah. Okay, so about what I expected in appearance. It's got that. Oh yeah. It's dark, cloudy gold color, but it's like a rich butterscotch. Yeah, gold, goldenrod maybe. Um, nice, like thick head, very persistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's floofy, micro bubble like. It looks like a nice, like a good head. Smooth mouthfeel, not too carbonated. So what's your... It's juicy. What's your guess is? Mm, IPA. Okay. Or... Hazy well, IPA. No, it's not really hazy. What? Though. It's hazy in appearance, but I don't think that's the uh, it's, so it's, it's, style. I. It leads toward more towards a West Coast to me, but it's not bitter at all. No. It's just the hop profile, I think, is more like that little bit... Piney citrusy. Lauren, you just yeah, took a sip and you're not a piney. Pine. Piney. It tastes like piney. Tastes like pine salt. Alright, what's so, the brewery? Highwire. Okay. Highwire Brewing in Asheville, North Carolina, and Wilmington now. Uh, but okay, reveal to us. Bring, okay. bring back pink drink. So you were on the money with like hoppiness, right? Mm-hmm. So this or another reason I like their cans, oh, too, they have, like, the percentage or kind of a scale of hops, less or more, obviously, more hops, more malt character, and dark in color. So, this is the Elated Winter IPA. It's an IPA with Michigan Chinook and Chinook. Idaho Chinook. 7. Mm. Winter IPA, good choice. Yeah. We're off with our hops, but... So the can says it We're provides a balanced and hoppy ale, perfect for snuggling up in front of the fire, getting outside on a snowy day. Celebrate the season with an India pale ale that doesn't lack for pine and citrus peel notes. Oh, Ooh, citrus. Wow. It's balanced by sticky caramel and toasted bread flavors from a carefully crafted malt. Pill. It is nicely balanced. I think the aroma wins it for me. It just smells like straight up hop pellets. And I like that smell. The what do you dog, think the ABV is? Uh, I'm gonna say six point three. I'm gonna say five point five. Wow! I saw it on the can. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you like gave yourself away because I was impressed. Oh darn! I should have should have been impressing. No, this is good though. Yeah, cool. Oh, yeah, I could drink this Sniff all it. day. I did. I smelled it. Sniff I took it. a sip as well. Yeah. Yeah. What's our SRM? Highware is good about that too, is aren't they? Excuse me. Our standard reference method for the color. It is a darker beer. Lenny, you think it's more... It's like a honey, honey color. It looks like honey. It already already said it was darker. Oh, it doesn't actually list the number, the numerical value. I was like, I just went through that whole thing. 55 IBUs, which, if you're talking about bitterness, that's like moderately high bitterness. Surprisingly. But it doesn't taste it. I think they just balanced it out really nicely. That good caramel malt flavor. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like that a lot. I would drink that. And it got a nice little flannel. It matches your jammies. Jammies. Yep. Flannel, uh, flannel can. 
All right, well, I guess that kind of wraps us up here. So what did you guys learn today? I learned that I do a lot of things just because you tell me to do them. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know the meaning behind which I do them. <laughs> do you speak in English as so, well? So from now on, before I do something, I'm going to understand the why and the how. You might say that you're like Patrick in the episode of Spongebob. Where they do the fry cook games. Wow. Uh, Mr. Krabs tells Spongebob to win that event for the Krusty Krab. And then Plankton tells Patrick, win this event because I told you to. <laughs> because you told me to. Because I told you to. My name's not Rick. Oh, great episode. That was a great episode. Um, I learned that you can further break down ham into pink ham and white ham. <laughs> And West Ham. West Ham. And John Ham. West Ham. And Ryan Reynolds. And, and Ryan. Wait, what does that have to do with ham? He's a ham. He's a ham. But we love him. Oh, what did I learn? I learned nothing, apparently. I learned nothing. I learned that talking about brewing takes a little longer than you would expect. And if you suck with us this far, you're ready to brew. Yep. And I, I don't know. What else did I learn? I also learned that uh, belly button cookies are good, but not that thing that is on a baby's belly button when they're born. And that they're called belly button cookies. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> we'll leave you with that. <laughs> Cheers and have a great week.